How's it going, 11 o'clock? It's good to see you guys. For those of you who may not know me, I'm Mike Lee. I'm one of the pastors for our network of churches, and I'm also the director of our ministers and training program, our MIT. So I'm very honored to get to do that and be a part of that. We are grateful that you guys are here tonight or today. If you weren't at Hop Springs Friday night, uh, you missed a really great night. It was uh, amazing. Over 5,000 people were there for worship night. If you didn't happen to were able to be there, you can actually go on YouTube and you can watch it on that. If you want to watch kind of a replay of it or share that with other friends and stuff, it was really, really a great night. We outdrew Travis Tritt. So in case you were wondering, uh, that's, that's our mark, okay? So what we do, if you're a first-time guest here or maybe you haven't been here a lot, we go through books of the Bible. Right now, we're currently in the book of Esther and it's going really, really well. Last week, Joe Thompson taught did an amazing job, grateful for Joe. And uh, so this week I'm teaching, and for some of you, you're keeping score, you go, wait, that's two weeks in a row that Corey is not teaching up here. Well, I, I just wanna let you know what's going on. As you know, Corey's hair, he's growing it a little longer, and he's in that awkward stage right now where it doesn't look the way he wants it to. So he wanted one more week for it to grow. Next week he'll feel really good, so he'll be here next week, okay? Just wanna make sure you guys knew that, yeah. Uh, all right. So this is baptism weekend. And what we do is normally after our worship nights, we focus on baptism. And we take a time away just to allow us to think about this amazing, beautiful picture that God has given us of what salvation looks like and how we can enter into that with him and be a part of that. And so for you that are here today, whether you've been baptized or not, I hope that this lesson will help you to understand why you were baptized if you have been. But if you've never been baptized, one of my goals is to hopefully convince you of the importance of baptism, why that might be something that you might can do today. And you say, well, well I, didn't, I didn't even come prepared. Well, actually we have clothes there already. We have towels. We actually have water right over here. We have two tubs. And uh, so for those of you, some of you, you've been to uh, baptism services, you know, at the end of the service, we'll give you an opportunity to go and change clothes and come and be baptized if you want. But what we want to do is tell you what baptism is, what it represents, and then why you should do it, okay? So that's basically what we're going to try to do today, and that's the goal. So if you're here, we are glad that you are here, whether you're watching online or you're here in the building, thank you for being here. And uh, so when you came in, you should got a notes handout. Also, you should be able to see on the screens everything I'm going to say. If you have the Experience Community app, you can go to Sermon Notes, and all my stuff will be on there as well. So we are glad you guys are here. Thank you for being here today. And uh, we're praying. Just so you know, through uh, this past service, the 9 o'clock, we've baptized 48 people this weekend. So... Uh, I say that to also let you know you won't be alone if you're coming. If you're, you're being baptized, you'll join with others who have already made that commitment. And it'll just, we just want you to join the celebration. It'll be a good thing, okay? So let's pray together, and then we'll jump into it and see what God has to say about baptism. So Father, we are grateful for this day. We are grateful for the 48 who have already been baptized. Thank you for their commitments to publicly profess you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for we who are here in this room today that if there are those of us who have never been baptized, 
We pray that today would be that day that they would make that commitment to publicly profess faith in you and to be identified as a follower of Jesus. Lord, we are grateful for our other campuses who are also having baptism uh, services right now. So in Cannon County and in Shovelville, bless them. Father, we wanna also ask that you would continue to watch over us as we are open to what you are doing in Coffee County. Father, we pray for Pastor Corey, who is there even today speaking at a church to see if we might wanna be a part of what's going on there. We know that you've led us to Manchester and to the home of that area. So continue to watch over Pastor Corey as he does that. I pray, Father, now as we jump into this lesson that you'll use me for your glory, that the words I say will be your words, and Lord, change hearts as only you can do. We ask in your powerful and wonderful name. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah, so I forgot to tell you that, so the reason Corey really isn't here is he's actually in Coffee County, and uh, so just continue to pray. We're seeing, again, what God does. He does some, usually in the 40-day fast, he does some really amazing things, not that he doesn't do amazing things all the time, but 40-day fast is kind of crazy, and he just kind of seems to have moved up the timeline a little bit, so just continue to pray. All right, so baptism, what is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is a public display of the fact that we have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, all right? So when we are baptized, it is as if we are now taking on this new man, new woman mantle in Christ. We are brought to life, which is similar to a wedding ceremony when the husband and wife commit to one another. And then at the end of the ceremony, they say Mr. and Mrs. So the wife takes on the name of the husband. And usually they signify that by a ring. And the ring doesn't mean marriage. The ring isn't the marriage. The ring is symbolic of the marriage. So when I I'm wearing my ring. That's me saying I am married to Dina and she's my wife. Unashamed of that. If I take the ring off, I'm still married to Dina. I'm still unashamed of that. But it's a symbol. And that's exactly what baptism is. It's not salvation, but it is a response to and it's a physical uh, representation of the salvation that we have received. And so it identifies us as Christians. You know, the word Christian means a little Christ, little Jesus. It identifies us as his follower. And it is really the most evident display of that. You know, when you're doing your devotions or when you're praying, people may not see you do that. But when you are baptized, there will be people who will actually see you do that. And so it is a visible turning of our lives to Jesus Christ. It is something to be seen and to be celebrated. Now, when we get saved, our hearts should already begin to change. But when we receive this baptism, we see that God oftentimes does some really, really cool things when we begin to publicly identify as a follower of Jesus. Now, the reason we do baptism is because Jesus set the example for us to be baptized. When Jesus came on the scene, he came to inaugurate a new covenant. The Old Covenant of the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, the way you were saved in that was you had to have faith in God like we do, but you would go to the temple and when you would sin, you would bring some type of sacrifice, usually an animal. That sacrifice would be given to the priest. The priest would uh, kill that animal and the blood would be sprinkled on the altar as a covering of our blood or of our sin. So, Baptism, when Jesus comes on the scene and says, you must be baptized, the baptism is a sign of you now following me. It really shook things up. It changed everything. 
So what the old covenant would do is when we would sacrifice animals, it would push sin forward. It would just keep pushing the penalty of sin forward. But when Jesus came, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, his sacrifice was a once and for all sacrifice so that now all our sins can be forgiven and we can be restored to the Lord. So the great story of this is when Jesus comes, begins his public ministry, he goes to John the Baptist, his cousin, and says, hey, John, I need you to be uh, to baptize me. And John says, I, I can't baptize you. I know who you are. You need to baptize me. But then Jesus answers John and says, allow it for now. Why? Because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, all that the Old Testament, all that the Old Covenant had been pointing to is going to be fulfilled in Jesus. And so he says, look, I want you to baptize me to do what? It's going to ultimately set an example. So Jesus was baptized, and when he came up out of the water, the heavens opened up, and the Bible says the Spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove. And then a voice cried from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And so what we find in that is that Jesus was being baptized to be an example for us because there was nothing that he had done that needed to be forgiven or covered up. Jesus was perfect in thought, in word, in action, never sinned, never had a wrong motive, never did anything wrong, fully obeyed everything that the Bible desired and what the Father wanted. But Jesus knew that the Father wanted us to obey him by being baptized after our salvation, and so Jesus set the example. Which is a beautiful thing about Jesus is that he never asked you or me to do anything that he hasn't already done. And he knew that baptism would be pleasing to his father, so he was baptized to set the example so that we too would understand how important that is. So the example of Jesus is one reason we baptize people. We want to be obedient to his example. But another reason we are baptized is because there's something that really kind of cool happens when we are baptized. We call it activating. So we all know this. When you walk with Jesus, it's a process, right? It's a lifelong commitment. It's that three steps forward, sometimes two steps back, five steps forward, one step back. It's that kind of thing. But as we move through this process of becoming more and more like Jesus, being set apart, which the Bible calls sanctification, we see that obedience, the choices we make to obey Christ, begins to activate things in our lives and fill us with purpose and joy and peace that we never had before. So when we genuinely repent of our sins, and that word repentance means a 180, it means that I was following the sin of my life and the passions I desired, but I turned from those and began to follow Jesus Christ, turned my back on what I wanted and saw Jesus for who he is, the full satisfaction of my soul and my desires. I turned from those things to follow Jesus. Then I choose to be baptized to profess that, to identify that I am now a Christ follower. The Holy Spirit then empowers us to live in a way that pleases God. So Peter replies on the day of Pentecost, what happened is on the day of Pentecost, it was the first Christian sermon Peter begins to preach to a large crowd in Jerusalem. As he's preaching, people are being convicted of their sin. And this is what they ask. What must we do to be saved? 
What must we do? And so this is Peter's answer. Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted the message, those who repented and believed were baptized. And those what happened on that day, 3,000 people were baptized. 3,000, isn't it amazing to think about what kind of day that was? A day when people were changing for Christ. And so this baptism was working in their lives to activate the spirit of God within them. And part of that as well is this idea that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are now empowered to live for him through the presence of the spirit. And we know we now have spiritual weapons at our disposal. And what do we mean by that? Well, if you read 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul talks to the church at Corinth about spiritual gifts that the Spirit has given to every believer to be used to advance God's kingdom, to grow in our relationship, and to help us to be able to engage a world that needs to see the power and the beauty of Jesus Christ. So we've got to have the Holy Spirit in us to work this kind of life in us and through us. That's that kind of activation that happens. So we have Jesus' example. We have this powerful work that happens when we're baptized. It seems like God uses that to really engage us in the work of the Lord. But then we also know that Jesus tells us we need to baptize. We need to be baptized and to baptize others. So ultimately, baptism is really about just being obedient. Now, let's face it. We generally do not like to have people tell us what to do, right? It starts very young. If you want to prove, just go work in Echo right now, all right? Tell those children, don't do things, and they're just like, you know, who are you? I'll do what I want to do. Well, it doesn't change when we get older. <laughs> None of us really like to be told what to do, and it's because we have rebelled against God we are in this fallen state. And as people, though, who claim to follow Jesus Christ, we need to trust God and stop debating him. Amen. All right? And by the way, can I ask a question? How many of us have debated with God and it worked? Have any of us changed God's mind and won the debate? It's like, my goodness, why do we fight with God? Yeah, we can just choose to say, no, I'm not going to do your thing. But what the Bible tells us is when you follow Christ, when you obey him and obey his word, there is a powerful, joyful expression of peace and joy and happiness that you can experience. And listen, when we talk about baptism, we, we can't tell you everything about it. But here's one thing we can tell you. When you follow Jesus Christ, it can change your life. When you're obedient to him, it can change your life. So when Jesus was resurrected from the grave, he was on the earth for 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, he gathered his believers and he gave them some final words before he ascended into heaven. And we call that the Great Commission. It's here in Matthew 28. In fact, if you come to any of our vision services, you'll hear Corey always refer back to Matthew 28, 19, and 20, because that's the church's marching orders. This is what we do at the Experience Community Church. We're an incredibly simple church because the Lord Jesus Christ has given us a very simple path to follow. 
And this is what Jesus said to his disciples and says to us. Go therefore, number one, make disciples of all nations. Number two, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And number three, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then the promise is, remember I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what we do at this place. We make disciples, we baptize them, and we teach them so that they can go make disciples. We baptize them and we teach them so they can go make disciples. And we just, we're gonna do that until Jesus comes because that's what he's told us to do. Because notice what it says, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus tells us what to do. The question is, are we willing to do it? And then he says in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. There are people all around the world who say, I love Jesus and do their own thing. But you cannot say you love Jesus and not be obedient to the things that are in his word. You, you, you just can't do that. And then what a lot of people do, though, is they begin to kind of freak out a little bit to think that we at the experience, or maybe even you listening, you say, oh, you're teaching work salvation, that you've got to work to earn your salvation. And that's not it at all. What the Bible says is, because you love me, you will obey my commands. In other words, it is not the obeying the commands that makes me love Jesus. It's Jesus changing my heart so that I will love him. Then I obey his commands. It's the love of Christ that comes first, not the works. You cannot work your way into loving Jesus, but Jesus can change your heart so that you will love him and you will do good works. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to be a people that says, look, I love the Lord and I want to obey him, not to earn my salvation, but because I'm saved. So this was what Jesus told the disciples. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. How well did they do? And it's a great question. How did they do? Well, if you go to the book of Acts, which we just read from in Acts chapter two, what you find is the story of the church. You find the story of how the church was birthed and how it grew to take the gospel to the nations. And starting in Acts two, what we just read, you're gonna find through that book of Acts at least 10 times where the gospel was proclaimed, people believed, and they were baptized. And again, that's the pattern. People hear the gospel, they respond to repentance and belief, and they are baptized over and over and over again. And this is what we're asking for some of you to do today. You're, here, you're gonna hear the gospel in just a moment. Will you repent and believe? Maybe some of you have already heard the gospel, you've repented and believed, but you haven't been baptized yet. This is just what we're asking. Will you be obedient to Jesus Christ? And so there are two pictures that baptism represents. Two pictures. The first one is resurrection, okay? Resurrection. So it's the symbol of a fresh thought start. Um, what baptism symbolizes is that we die to ourselves. We are being buried. The old self is being put to death, which is why we hold you down to your bubble, okay? Because when, when you bury someone, you don't just take a handful of dirt and put it on the body and say, oh, you're buried, no, what do we do? We dig a hole, we put you in, I know, good thoughts for a Sunday morning, but we put you in the hole, we cover it up, right? That's burial. So you are buried with Christ because the old person has died, but more importantly, it really identifies a resurrection, a new life arising again. You are no longer the same person. And even though you may still struggle, which we all sometimes struggle, we are now labeled as new creations in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, 
the new has come, which means that we are no longer slaves to our former sins or our former lives. Friends, listen, we say this all the time, but it doesn't matter how you walked in these doors. What changes us is what Jesus does in here as you walk out. And so we all walk in with our hurts, our habits, our hangers, our struggles, and all of that, but we can be born again because all of us are born with struggles. We may have struggles with anger. We may have struggles with greed. We may have struggles with porn. We may have struggles. We may have all kinds of struggles, but that's how you were born. But if you are born again, you can lay aside all those chains and be set free. How do I know that? Well, listen to what Paul says in Romans 6. Are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were baptized with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know what? That our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Why? Because a person who has died is freed from sin. That is the hope of the gospel. So it's a symbolic expression of a fresh start. So when you become a Christian, when you choose Christ and you want to be baptized and you are baptized, I can tell, this, tell you this as a baptized believer, you're still gonna make mistakes. But it does mean you don't have to be identified as a slave to sin. You can be set free from that and you may sometimes sin, but that will not be the pursuit of your life. You will pursue Christ. So we can be delivered and I believe this, and the Word of God teaches this, you can be permanently changed. So salvation, part of it is the idea that we are delivered from destruction, okay? Delivered from destruction. Now, the first kind of destruction is spiritual death, separation from God forever. But we also know there is a weight of sin in this world that can lead to destruction as well. We can be delivered from that because we have a fresh start. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, if you are in Christ, anyone, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is past and see the new has come. We are made new in Christ, and baptism shows that picture, that resurrection, the old person put to death, the new person raised from the dead. So that's one picture that baptism gives us. But the second picture is this idea of a new identity. So we are raised so that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are also now given this new identity. Now, when you baptize, and maybe some of you will be baptized today, and you're gonna ask one of your friends or family members to baptize you, and that would be awesome. But a lot of people kind of get caught up on, well, what should I say when I baptize them? You know, well, again, Jesus said in the Great Commission, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, I can't remember all that. Just baptize them in Jesus' name. 
Because it doesn't matter what you say. What matters is the condition of the heart of the person being baptized. Because if the person isn't right with God, you can say anything you want to. It's not going to change anything. But if the person has a sincere heart, then the baptism takes on a sincere meaning. So how we pray for people getting baptized, it's important. But what's most important is why they're being baptized and whose identity they are adopting. So in Galatians 3, this is what Paul said, for those who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. So that clothing with Christ is that new identity. So no longer are you identified as Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. Why? Because you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, what does our world like to do? It likes to categorize people, doesn't it? It likes to categorize people. So now you're identified by your gender or by your sexual preference or by how much money you have or how much money you don't have or by the color of your skin or of your ethnic background or where you're from, where you live. We love to categorize people and place them in this. But when we are in Jesus, that is who our identity is found in from this day forward. We are all in Christ. So salvation comes to us and delivers us from all the pettiness of this world so that we can now live for why we were created. We were made in the image of God to represent him. And when we are buried in Christ, raised to new life in in baptism, we now say, I am unashamed. Don't call me man or woman, male or free. Call me a Jesus follower. That is who we are. And this is incredibly important. And so when you're baptized, That will now shape your identity until you see Jesus and for all eternity. Now, here's the fun question. Do you have to be baptized? All right, do you have to? Some of you think, do I have to? All right, that was me thinking for you, okay? But first of all, don't you love that picture? Don't you just love that? I mean, friends, just as a little aside here, I don't know anyone who ever, you know, 10 years later, man, I can't believe I was baptized. That was awful. In fact, if you walk out those doors, there's a big resurrection wall that we have with pictures, and you see people just like that, arms outreach, smiles on their faces, hugs given. It is a celebration of the work of Jesus Christ. I've not met anyone who you know, hates that they did that, so just know that. But do we have to? This is what Peter said. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but as the pledge of a good conscience before God. So this is what we are doing. When we are baptized, we are making a pledge to the Lord to say, I not only want to identify with you, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the boss of my life from this. And I'm pledging that to you by this act of being baptized. Okay, so just hold that thought. And we do that through the resurrection of Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. So salvation is more than than just this one-time experience. So some of us have been brought up this idea of like once saved, always saved kind of a thing, right? Where, you know, where there was at vacation Bible school or at youth camp or at a revival service or maybe even at a church service, you prayed a prayer, you got baptized, you got your get out of hell insurance policy, you keep it in your back pocket, and then you go live as if that never happened so that one day when you stand before God, you can pull that out and say, look, I've got my insurance policy. I'm good, right? 
Well, that's not the pledge of a good conscience, and that is not at all what the Bible teaches is the Christian life. It is more than just this one-time thing. In fact, the Bible teaches that salvation happens in the past when you're saved. It continues in the present. You live daily for him, and it will continue until the day you see him when you are changed and you will be with him forever, and we'll get to enjoy our salvation for eternity. Amen. So salvation is a life long relationship. So again, at initial salvation, you are changed. There's something that happens there. But baptism is that first step of obedience. What I talked about in Acts, people hear the gospel, they believe, and their first response is to be baptized. And without you obeying Jesus, without being willing to obey Jesus, without pledging your heart to obey Jesus, you can't be saved is what the Bible says. If anyone, Jesus said, comes after me, they have to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Amen. That's just the simple tr truth of the gospel. So baptism, again, shows the world, whoever's here watching, shows the world that we are unashamed to call ourselves a follower of Christ and to obey him in everything we do. So... How then should we respond to this gospel? Well, first, let me just kind of give you the brief gospel, okay? Here it is. The gospel is good news. That's what the word means. Good news, good news of what? Here's what the scripture tells us. God created all things and created it perfectly, including man and woman in his image. Human beings, man and woman, are the only ones created in the image of God. Everything points to God, but we bear his image. But the Bible says that God placed them in a garden, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God to find their satisfaction in someone and something else than in God. And thus they sinned against God and plunged all of humanity. And the Bible says all of creation into a curse because of our rebellion. And we who are Adam and Eve's children continue to rebel against God. That's what the Bible calls sin. But this is what the Bible also teaches, that in the same moment Adam and Eve sinned, God began a plan of redemption that ultimately culminated when God the Son took on human flesh, we know him as Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life fully obeying the Father, unlike Adam and Eve who rebelled against the Father. Jesus Christ obeyed everything the Father said. And he never again had a wrong thought, never said a wrong word, never did a wrong action. And he did that perfectly, but what happened? The Bible says that people hated him for that. They crucified him, but it was the Father's plan to put Jesus on the cross. Why? Because Jesus was our substitute. And the Bible says that God the Father poured out his wrath on his son that we deserved, that Jesus then died and three days later was resurrected to show his victory over death and hell and sin and the devil and everything that would enslave us, that 40 days later he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and one day he's coming again to receive all who trust in him, to take us to live on an earth in resurrected bodies for eternity with no more hint of sin, death, or anything, and we will be with the Lord forever. That's the gospel. Amen. Now, the question is, will you believe it? And let me just give you, you know, it's true whether you believe it or not, okay? 
Listen, you say, I don't believe in gravity. You can jump off a building, you will. You say, well, I don't want to believe any of that stuff. That's a bunch of religion or whatever. You can believe whatever you want, but I'm telling you, it's the truth. What I just told you is the truth of the gospel. It's good news. But when you hear this good news, it requires a response. And what is the response? Well, first, saving faith, belief. You've got to believe in what I just told you, that we are sinners separated from God. We need a Savior, and Jesus is our Savior. And if we trust in Him, knowing that He satisfied the wrath of the Father for us, we can be saved. You've got to believe that. And then you've got to repent. And again, repentance is not just saying, oh, I shouldn't have sinned, and then go do it again. Oh, I shouldn't have sinned, and then go do it again. It is true, heartfelt sorrow for sin, and it's a desire to change, and it's a desire to deny ourselves so that we can walk in obedience to Jesus. And then saving faith, repentance, and then daily faith. It's living each and every day. Again, not always perfectly, but living with the goal to please and honor the Lord Jesus Christ in everything we say, do, and think. And then baptism, which is the outward expression of the inward work of belief, repentance, and faith. That's what baptism is about. So when we ask the question, do I have to be baptized? Really, that's a heart question. And if you understand the weight of your sin, and if you understand the gravity of the grace that God has shown you through sending his son to die for your sins, then you will come to God in a whole different way than obligation thing. Do I have to be baptized? Because when we start asking how little we must do to follow Jesus, that really is expressing our heart. We don't really want to be saved. We just want the benefits of going to heaven. You know, Lord, let me live my way here on earth, but I'll get to heaven. I'll, I, I can't wait for heaven, but let me do my stuff here. That is not at all the heart posture of those who will be baptized. The heart posture of the, those who will be baptized is, he's my Lord and Savior. I'll never be able to repay him, but I am so grateful to be identified with him and I pledge my life to him. That's what we are asking you to do today. So again, when we talk about our relationship with God, the wrong question should never be, what do I have to do? That's just, that's wrong. I mean, if I had said that to mom, now wife, what do I have to do to keep you happy? That's, that's an awful question. I should be going, Lord, I can't wait to make you happy. I'm so excited to make you happy. If I have to just obligate myself to it, that's awful. So what is the better question? Well, when you begin to understand what Jesus has done for you, when you begin to understand the gravity of your sin, when you understand the beauty of God's grace demonstrated on the cross where Jesus died, the power that's available through the resurrection, the freedom you can receive when you turn from your sins and by faith follow Jesus, when you understand all that, the real question is what more can I do for him? Again, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. When we know everything and receive everything that Jesus has done for us, our supernatural response should be, what can I do for him? I love him so much. I can't help but just do stuff. Maybe even being baptized. So every one of you today can respond in some way to this baptism lesson. You say, well, I've already been baptized. Well, hang with me for just a few more moments. First, 
the response you may have is that you're here today and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have questions about Christianity and we are so glad you're here. Well, right here on my right, Jonathan, he's our discipleship pastor. Jonathan would love to talk to you about your faith and help you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. On both sides of the platform, there'll be people who can pray with you and just talk to you about that. If you can't get to Jonathan, grab one of them and say, hey, what? Pastor Mike was talking about being saved. What, what, what can I do? How, how, they'll be able to help you, okay? So maybe that's what you need to do is go talk to Jonathan or someone here. But maybe you've recently committed your, faith, your life to Christ or maybe you did it years ago, but you've not been baptized. Today you can be. Amen. And again, right through those doors here to my left where you see that run to the Father sign, that's basically what we're asking you to do. Run to the Father, run through those doors. There'll be some people there that can take some information from you. And then there's a change of clothes. We've got all kinds of sizes, okay? So don't worry about that. All you gotta do is go in there, talk to someone, get some clothes. Someone will escort you right over here where we have, again, those two tanks. Again, already we've had 48 people who have gone through those waters this weekend. But know this, these tanks have been around for a while. I'm sure there are some of you out there who were baptized in one of those tanks as well. And yeah. And here's the thing. I know it's scary when you think about getting in front of people and doing this. But again, there are so many of us who have done that as well. This is the church that will cheer you on. There is not a single one of person who's gonna judge you or look down on you. They're gonna say, praise God for this commitment you're making. We are on your team. We are for you today. So just know, and if you need someone to walk with you, that's great, grab a friend. If you don't know the person next to you, just grab them and say, come with me, all right? It's a great way to get to know people. But we want you to be baptized today. And again, God willing, this won't be the last time we do a baptism service. We do them whenever someone needs it. But maybe today's that day that you wanna put that stake in the ground and say, yeah, I've been putting this off too long. I want to be baptized today. We would love to have that privilege. For everyone else, if you're in this place and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, maybe you've already been baptized. We have communion everywhere you see with a lamp on the table. And on the table, there's a piece of bread, there's the juice, which reminds us of the body of Jesus broken for sinners, of his blood shed for sinners. And we, we ask you to do is when you take communion, just repent of your sins and then eat and drink thanking Jesus for his sacrifice for you that he died for you so that you could be forgiven of your sins. Last thing, it's just 10 after. I'm about to pray and we're, we're gonna have people come forward. We're gonna have communion and all that. I know the tendency is to you know, kind of take our communion and then hit the road. But again, we just promised to those who are about to be baptized that there are gonna be people cheering them on. And so what I would encourage you to do is grab your communion, come and sit down and just hang out. It'll take them a little while to get ready. They gotta go in there, get the information, change clothes. So it'll be just a few minutes. But on the screens up here, I think the screens in the back, you'll be able to see people being baptized. And one of the great things you get to do is cheer them on. Amen. Cheer them on. So can you do, you know, uh, Chewy's will still be there, okay? Yeah, uh, lunch will still be there. Would you just take a few moments just to hang out and let's encourage these brothers and sisters who are unashamedly committing their lives to Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful 
for your love for us and that you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And Lord, I know there are some men and women here that are thinking about it even right now. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage them. If they need, there are people here that don't understand even what I've said about the gospel and how to believe it, I pray they'll come talk to Pastor Jonathan. I pray that if there are people here who need to pray, that they'll pray. For the people who are going to take communion, may they celebrate what you have done for them. But Father, may we all be able just to take a few moments, be reminded maybe of our own baptisms and the joy that happened when we were baptized as we celebrate and encourage those who are about to be baptized. We ask that you'll do this for your glory and for the good of all of us that are here. We ask that you'll do it in Jesus' name, amen. So you can go help yourself to communion. If you'd like to be baptized, please step over to those double doors and we'll be ready for you. God bless you guys.